That or that just take something here. Got it. Yeah. yeah. You're giving me permission to record you. <laughs> Which is good. <laughs> um, <laughs> hello, I have the lovely Liz with me today. Hi Liz, would you like to introduce yourself and tell oh. us a little bit about yourself? Oh gosh, okay. Um, I'm Liz Mystery. I write crime fiction, I write gritty thrillers set or gritty police procedural books set in Bradford which is in West Yorkshire and I have two series I have a series that I self-publish which are the Gus Maguire series and then I have another series which are with HarperCollins HQ Digital and that's the Nikki Perek series and I think I have to date 11 books published over the two series one sent to the publisher and I'm writing another at the minute <laughs> I think yeah <laughs> I think that sort of sums it up. Um, and I'm an old woman. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're... Well, I'm older than you. <laughs> yeah, you're not by too much, actually. So. Well, I think quite a lot, really. Yeah. But you're as old as you feel. That's my motto. <laughs> yeah, mentally about five for me and physically about 80. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. Mentally, it varies day to day for me. <laughs> physically, it does as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad times. <laughs> um, did you always know that you wanted to write? You know, I did always know that I wanted to write. From when I was a little girl, I used to, I used to read a lot. So you know, that was one thing. I, I mean, I was from quite a, uh, I was from a working class family. <clears throat> my dad was a butcher. My mum worked in the post office, so we didn't have an awful lot of money. But we did have a local library. And the one thing my mum and dad would spend money on for us, no, they spent money on us for lots of things, but one of the best things that they spent money on for us was books. Um, so I remember I always had, <clears throat> I remember reading a lovely pictorial book of Heidi. You know, it was, it was beautiful. She had lovely curly hair that was just like my sister's because my sister had black curly hair. Um, so that was the very first book I remember reading, I think. And then we always had all the famous five, all the Enid Blyton ones, and then Agatha Christie and everything um, later on. And I think my reading age was always a bit further on than my actual age. So when it came to like writing stories at school, at primary school, I remember writing pages and pages and pages using words I'd learned through Enid Blyton, reading Enid, Enid Blyton books, like spiral stair staircases and about lighthouses and islands and things that I'd never really uh, come across or registered, but in a book, they became real and it became part of what I did. So I did that and then I was I was the first in my family to go to uni and I am um, I was really good at English so I thought oh I'll do English and um, I actually wanted to do creative writing but you didn't really do that in those days and then I thought possibly journalism but really my mom and dad said no you want to be a teacher that's what you do that's you know so I went <clears throat> to Stirling University got a degree in English and history so that I could teach both did a few education modules, realised that I didn't want to teach older kids <laughs> because they were frightening and they were all taller than me. So um, I left there and then I did a PGCE to teach primary, but I did it in Bradford. And that just changed my whole life, my whole perspective from being in a sort of um, a, a village that was very monocultural, I suppose, and, you know, 
and then going to a university that was still predominantly white. Yeah, there was overseas students. Yeah, there was some um, Asian students. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, there's loads. There was a lot of uh, gays and lesbians. You know, so it was quite a diverse student population. But then to move to Bradford, and it was diverse culturally and just everything about it was you know and then I met my husband of course and that so I stayed but still I was teaching I wasn't writing I'd write the odd bit here and there and you know really wanted to but just and then my mental health took a bit of a nosedive um and I was quite ill for quite a long time and I at one point I was um I almost got sectioned and and you know but anyway overcame that gradually began to to work on being aware of my mental health and trying to sort of um, work around it and with the support of my family um you know anyway so my, my daughter was it got to the time where my daughter was heading to uni and we were taking her around different universities and I went to Leeds Trinity with her she was looking around it she was doing um, forensic psychology and um there was a, a leaflet somewhere I picked up and it said creative writing MA and one of the lecturers was this guy called Martin Bedford and he he writes mainly young adult fiction but I had read an adult book that he wrote called Houdini Girl and it was I loved that book I just absolutely loved it so that connection made me think I wonder if I could maybe do this I wonder if I could do an MA and my husband said well yeah do it and I'd started to write more and I was I had I'd nearly finished a couple of books you know but never quite got over the finish line you know yeah I mean loads of authors will tell you that they've got a drawer full of books that they've started and got halfway through or to quarter way through and you know um but I was going to the what part of my regime was you know I would go to the pub and get myself no I'd go to the <laughs> I'd go to the pub <laughs> and drink diet coke <laughs> and write every afternoon um, and sometimes I'd be there for three or four hours but the pub you know it was still a local pub nobody bothered it was great um, and then I thought yeah I could maybe I could maybe do something with this so I applied for the MA and it just took off the day that I, I went to start the MA I was seeing a counsellor and I remember saying to him a couple of weeks beforehand I don't think I'll be able to do this because, you know, nobody will understand me because I'm Scottish and people think I'm really thick. And I had all these negative, and he, he said, look, you know, don't go in with any of these preconceptions. Try it, you know, and we worked on that. And when I got there, there was another Scottish woman. So I was like, yeah, I'm not the only Scot. <laughs> so that was really good. And, and it was a small group and it was really good. And by the end of that first year, I had written, I'd completed Unquiet Souls, which is the first in the Gus Maguire series. And um, I started to put it out. I didn't have an agent, so I thought, oh, I'll get myself an agent. And then I happened to see Bloodhound Books. I were saying something about, you know, they were accepting submissions. I'd never heard of them. They were a new publishers. And um, I couldn't get myself an agent. Nobody wanted to know. Um, so I went with Bloodhound and um I, it was just it, that was that was it then and I had the next book the first book I'd written for the course and then the second book I wrote for my dissertation for my MA and it just went on from there so that was in 
2016 I think and it's just I've never stopped writing and I can't it it really helps my mental health and if I don't write for a period of time I began I begin to to feel down I begin to feel that I don't know I think writing just gives me a chance to process what I'm feeling even if it doesn't actually come out in the pages like that but it just it gives me that break from whatever's going on in my mind that that shouldn't be yeah sorry I've rabbited on for ages sorry I I get that as well um, when your head is just wearing then it must be nice to have something where you it just shuts up for a while yeah yeah the thing as well what I find is you know because I was doing the MA and you had to do academic stuff which I hadn't done since I was you know like for nearly 30 years I hadn't done anything sort of academic and then my dissertation I'm sure it was typewritten or even handwritten when I was at university you know so so having to sort of do it um to do this academic stuff but it actually worked well for me doing that sort of the academic stuff and the creative stuff together worked well and that then I think is why I went on to do the PhD because the both the it sort of gels it for me and it Doing the PhD made me realise a lot about why I do write the writing that I do, what why I why I develop the characters that I develop, why I touch on the topics that I touch on in my books. So, yeah, it's that sort of synergy between the two that I really, really enjoy. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, when I done my first, well, my first year of a degree when I was eighteen we had to hand physically write assignments and, <laughs> and I told my fellow students that and they just laughed at me. But honestly, we had to go to a, a tray and put them in. <laughs> yeah, we had a, a wooden box, I think, with an, an envelope slot and you used to have to staple it together and put it in. Gosh. Yeah. I'm surprised. I mean, my writing is appalling, absolutely appalling. And it's got progressively worse over the years. I'm in such a rush that I write and then the, the, the end of the word squiggles off. So when I go back to read it, I'm like, what did that, what was that? You know, and my husband can't read my shopping list. So, you know, so if I had had to handwrite it now, well, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have got through the first week, I don't think. <laughs> uh, I had to record my notes, voice, you know, like I, I I had to record the sessions um, I had because of my mental health because I, I, at that time I had I was um I couldn't process things I couldn't concentrate so I used to um I had permission to record the lectures and things so then I could go back and listen to them again and again and stop it and pause it and take notes and then you know because I just couldn't do it any other way and it turned out actually a lot of the other students um benefited from that as well because Sometimes if they miss something, then they could go back and, and look at it. So that was quite good. Yeah, yeah, we had someone that done that, but our lecturer said, make sure these never, never get released because yeah. some of the stuff we used to discuss was... was yeah, um... Then you forget that you're in a group, don't you? And, then, and, and if somebody's recording, you forget. You're, you know, you loosen up, you get so comfortable that, yeah. Yeah, and because our lecturer was so cool, then we're like... 
um, you know, if you wanted to do this and you wanted to use this, and how would you go about it? And Alexa's like, I'm not telling you how you could kill someone. I was just going to say, were you asking about disposing of bodies? Because you know, that's what I would be content if I did this. Would that work? Yeah. <laughs> could you no. find me if I did this? <laughs> No, we were we were about the actual killing. <laughs> like, oh, if you use this chemical, or if you've done this, or if you mix yeah. these two, and she was no fun. She's like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> what was that I watched the other day? What was I watching? It was with um. Oh, it was Ragdoll. I don't know if you saw it. I had it recorded. It was on, I think, before Christmas, and it was a serial killer um series with you know five or six of them, but the serial killer went at one point and he had this uh, it wasn't a fire but it was like a a, a metal container and it had sort of steamy chemicals coming out of it and he's putting in all this evidence not body parts or anything just like clothes and papers and you know putting it all in there and I'm thinking oh I wonder what that is but they don't give you little notes at the side oh by the way <laughs> this is what you use if you want to do this at home you know <laughs> that's my one criticism of that series they didn't give me all the the scientific details <laughs> yeah but I've got the book actually funnily enough upstairs someone sent it to me for Christmas I've got a signed copy of it but um I haven't read it yet but um yeah it's on my TBR <laughs> Ragdoll well, yeah oh, by really? Daniel Cole I think yeah. yes it is it is because it kept saying that at the beginning of each series I've not read the book but I, I think I might go back and read it now yeah, see if the actual info is in there. Yeah. <laughs> if not, contact Daniel and say, you know, this uh, this chemical mixture. Did you actually yeah. find out? Yeah. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't even go into it in detail in the book. You don't know. That might have been a bit of creative mm. license for this. I was going to say BBC, but I don't think it was BBC. Whoever. Yeah. The reason I, that I watched it was because the guy, the, the lead detective, I can't even remember his name now, but I'd watched him in something called Indian Summers. Or Indian summer, a couple, two or three years ago, maybe four years ago, um, is about Indian independence, and he was a, a, he was a completely different character in that. But then when I looked on his resume, it said he was in in betweeners as well. Um, <laughs> so it was like a really, you know, but he was excellent in that. He wasn't the killer; he was the detective, but he was he was excellent. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think I might go back and read that book now. That's another one he had to my to to be read list <gasps> yeah and completely unrelated to anything but did you watch you don't know me or have you read read it oh you know oh I love him Ran Mahmood he's, I love his books I love the way he writes it's that sort of they're not they're not proper um sort of like courtroom books or anything you know do you know what I mean they're, they're more than that they're he has a quirky outlook the other one what's the other one that I read more recently the second in the series um about the homeless guy uh something about what I saw or yeah something, I know what it? I saw I know what I saw that's it yeah <laughs> you know it just really absolutely it just draws you in I thought they did well with the series after having read the book I thought I thought they did really well and I thought the acting was spot on and the characterization yeah. and everything I was I thought that's sometimes it, it don't quite work does it if you've read the book first and then yeah but it's absolutely fantastic what about yeah. Stay Close did you watch that one with no Harley Coben one 
Oh, that's on my list to catch up on. Yeah, I'd really want to watch that. I've I mean, heard it's good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, some people didn't enjoy certain elements of it, but I won't, I won't talk about those <laughs> because, because it would spoil it for you. But um, yeah, I enjoy his, um, enjoy his books full stop. Um, but I really enjoy his dramatizations. I think I've seen a few of them now. It's one called Safe and another one Five something or others Five, can't remember. But they're all, they're always really really good. Um, yeah. But I love his, he's got a character called Win, Windsor Locke, something or other. And he he was a secondary character in a series that he did years and years ago about um, this guy called Myron Bolitar. I'm probably pronouncing that wrongly, but um, yeah. And he was a secondary character. But he's now recently, in the past couple of years, brought this Win character back as a main character. And I'm like, yeah! Because it's so good, you know. So yeah, I, th I think there's only been two of those books out so far. But yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the next one because they're so good. Yeah. That's talking about characters. Let's go back to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to take out a character from any of your books. Do you mean kill them off? No, if you were to <laughs> literally, if you were to meet them and then take them for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Oh dear. If I was to take a character, um, I think I'd like to take Sajid from <clears throat> the Nikki Parekh books. He's, so Nikki's the main character and Sajid is her um, detective constable. She's a DS and he's a DC detective constable. But the, no, I'm not going to tell you that because that's not that's in the next book that isn't out yet. So I won't tell you that. But yeah, Sajid, I'd love I'd love to um, take him out for a meal because I think he's really he's really calm and he's a bit of a dandy. Is that dandy? I mean, you know, he's like dresses posh and he wears designer clothes and things. Um, he's He's from a Muslim background. He's from Dewsbury. He's a working class Muslim lad from Yorkshire. Um, and he's also gay. And then I think, I can't remember if it was the first book or the second book, he was outed publicly um, in the news. Um, and I think, yeah, I'd like to just sort of like talk to him about his experiences because, you know, he's like, you know, his, his, his community doesn't like him because he's a police officer. They don't particularly like him because he's, or some of them don't like him because he's a police officer. Some of them don't like him because he's gay. Um, and I just, yeah, I think he'd be really fascinating to spend time with. Otherwise would be Dr. Maguire, Gussie's dad, because he, he just, I think, you know, I think would probably just, well, I don't like whiskey, but if I did like whiskey, I could imagine just sitting and drinking whiskey with him for ages or going to a Cayley with them. Because I think he'd, you know, he likes his Kayleys, he likes his dancing. So, yeah, maybe him as well. He'd be laugh a minute and he'd, he'd give me all the inside dirt on Gus when he was a little boy. Because I'm still, you know, there's still things happening in Gus's back, backstory that I've not quite uncovered yet. So, you know, maybe maybe Dr. Maguire would tell me a lot more about Gus and what he was like as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, <laughs> 
if you were to fictionally kill someone, how would you do it? So you don't mean in my books now, you're talking about a real person. <laughs> if Yeah, if you were to obviously hypothetically kill someone, how would you do it? <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. Oh, I'm a bit squeamish. Oh. I wouldn't be cutting them up. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be doing that. That's too messy and horrible. No, I wouldn't be doing that. Although in my books, I'm quite happy to do that. Uh, I wouldn't know how to use a gun, so I wouldn't be shooting them. I don't know that I... Mm, there's a lot of machete attacks in Bradford, apparently. So maybe that's a possibility. Although, again, it's bloody into Poison seems a bit, you know, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. You know what I mean? And I I don't know if I could suffocate. Not sure. Yeah, probably the machete. It would have to be somebody I really, really, maybe not so much that I really hated, but somebody that had done something so, so bad. You know, sometimes you read books, not the Dexter books, but other books. Um, I read one and it was um, David Mark. Have you heard of, have you, do you know David Mark? Every, every love David. David Mark. Yeah, love David. It's a sweetie. <laughs> and I can't, I can't remember the title of this particular book, but one of his books, his main character, whose name is, is it, is it Hector McAvoy? Um, yeah. Something like that. His main character, um, he fails to do something which results in a death and I think yeah that 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 was the way to do it do you know what I mean and but it was of a character that needed to be disposed of do you know what I mean (laughs) so oh gosh so yeah that you know I could see myself well no I couldn't actually see I'm never do that but you know what I mean yeah I, I enjoy it when authors do that sort of thing because at the end of the day the characters are only human and sometimes if you're given a split second choice of okay do I save this guy or do I not you know what I mean it's like uh, you know what would you do what do what would the character do so yeah yeah indeed I am um, there's a couple of books where I'd have loved to have seen the character come to a horrible end because they were so awful Mm. Um, and one of the most fun answers I had to that question was, "Yeah, just just push him off cliff, <laughs> just be walking along." That and just wasn't Malcolm Holland Drake, was it? Because he's that's the sort of thing he would do. No, Malcolm I can't Holland remember Drake. what he's he's a short said. story about that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, because because I asked him in an interview, and then he interviewed me, and he asked me, and I said I'd stab them a hundred times, and I think he was a bit surprised. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Tony's slow slicing that was that was inspired <laughs> and then I noticed it was referenced in um parliament this week wasn't it by um what was it he said something about it was um Ian Blackford mentioned something about um Boris Johnson's demise by um death by a hundred cuts <laughs> and I thought oh Tony <laughs> your slow slicing has been mentioned but perhaps now it's time to send a copy to Ian Blackford yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way <laughs> by the way talking about slow slicing talking about death by a hundred cuts I think it's actually death by a thousand cuts isn't yeah it? I think it's a thousand yeah. yeah I mean if you're gonna do a hundred I'm sure you could do a thousand <laughs> just keep going uh, yeah. 
must take a long time that though yeah. yeah I mean you know if you've done a hundred then I, I suppose you're in for the long yeah, run, yeah, yeah yeah you know if, you, yeah, if you've got the time and the space and whatever yeah yeah, yeah I don't think Malcolm's quite recovered from uh, me telling him that I'd stab someone that many times <laughs> he's probably thinking as long as it's not me <laughs> He's too lovely. How could you? He's such a sweetheart. I know. I know, yeah. I know. I've not seen him for so long. I mean, th- this is lockdown for you. I've not seen him for so long. Yeah. I, I met him. him last year. It was so good. We cuddled in the middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes. I didn't feel it was, yeah, I wasn't in a good place anyway, but I just felt it was too soon for me to, to go last year. Yeah, so a lot of people did. It's the first one I'd ever been to. First book festival, full stop. Really? Loved it. Yeah. Got home at six o'clock on the Sunday by nine o'clock. I booked my hotel for this year. I'll come going yeah. back. I loved every second. Yeah. Yeah. Did you Malcolm go to, to did you go to the talks as well? The, I went to some of them, yeah. Um and Malcolm took me up for a meal on the Saturday. So that was Aww. nice as well. With him and Debbie. Oh uh-huh. yeah, to yeah. a week. I was, I was going to say, was it the Greek one or was it the Italian one? There's a nice, mind you, some of these may not be there anymore with COVID. You know, some of the ones, because I've been to a few in, in with Malcolm actually in Harrogate. So, yeah. What have you, have you been to any other festivals? I went to Bloody Scotland. Did you? I've yeah. been a couple of times there, but I didn't, not this year or last year. Not last year or the year before. Obviously. Yeah, I am. Um, that was good as well. Um, the first time I've been to Scotland as well, fell in love with Scotland, wanted to go straight back, loved, I mean, yeah. and I only went to Stirling, although, you know, I went through other places on the train. It's so, up yeah. in, in city of UK city of culture is Stirling. Yeah. So is Bradford, I have to say. Bradford's up for UK city of culture as well. They've put their bid in and hopefully one or other of those two will win. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Luton's ever going to get that. <laughs> you have to, your council, your whatever has to put a bid in and put a it's, package together. It was voted the third worst place to live in the UK, so I'm pretty sure it's not going to get it. I don't know, though, because I think the whole point, Hull got it a couple of years ago, um, and that was to, you know, to, to help with regeneration and everything, and Hull is absolutely beautiful, Um that's where David Mark's books are set and um, Nick Quantrill's as well. Um, so it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it, they've done loads with it because get, you, you get money and you get to regenerate. So it's, you put your bid in to say what your city needs and what it could become sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. so you don't, it doesn't have to be a really posh city or, a, you know, it can be a, a, a struggling city that's, you know, trying to, to make its mark and improve itself. So, yeah. Yeah all about football for us we're getting a new football stadium and they're spending quite a lot of money on that so hopefully when they get around to that because our football stadium's been there I think maybe since the late 1890s or something we've been there a long time and houses have been built up around it so you can generally look out of the stands and see into people's (laughs) gardens (laughs) (laughs) yeah I bet they're not so keen on that (laughs) match days they must be getting must get quite annoyed yeah it's, I mean, it's little and it's old, and we've luckily we've progressed up the leagues, 
But if we went to the next step, which is a Premier League, we couldn't do it because we couldn't afford to make the changes to the stadium that they'd yeah. require for... I think we had to get advertising hoardings, electronic ones, to be in the championship. So, yeah. Really? Yeah, I know. Oh, wow. So, yeah, as when they start building that, that would be nice because they want to do, you know, restaurants and shops and whatever. Yeah, make it a, a hub. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah that could be good. Yeah. Everything costs so much money, though, doesn't it? Yeah. And crazy amounts when you see them out there talking. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. And they're just estimates as well. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seem to have strayed from books again. I don't know how this I keeps know. happening. I'm not sure whose fault it is. I don't know if that's you or not me. Yeah, I'm very focused. I think we're both as bad as each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should forget that it's actually supposed to be like an interview and you, you just end up making it a chat and then, you know, and then other topics come into play so yeah that's because i asked you how you'd kill something isn't it and then we just went off on a tangent yeah now disposing of somebody that's a different kettle of fish i'd know how i'd do that pig farm every time pig farm that's that's my way of disposing of somebody just make sure they've got no false limbs no metal plates you know and things like that just you can't even be guaranteed that the pigs will eat everything no anyway you know, and then presumably, I mean, oh, I don't know, you'll know more about this, but presumably when the pigs poo, some things will come out without having been digested. No, I don't know. I, don't know. I believe so. But, you know, if if you're on the ball, then you should be able to counteract that with methods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apparently burying someone and then burying a dog on top of them is quite effective. Or burying someone and then putting rare plants on top of them is also quite effective. Oh. But you know, Does obviously, that actually, you know, like influence the cadaver dogs. Do they yeah. sort of get because then they dig to a it. certain point and then they'd find the dog and assume that the dog had just found ah, of course, the dog. So oh. then they wouldn't necessarily go back and try and find a body underneath that. Oh, I might use that one. You know, <laughs> tick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you were to team up your detectives either in either series with any other fictional detective who would you team them up with and what cold case would you like them to solve I wondered at one point about having Nikki and Gus cross paths because they're they're both in Bradford so you know um, I don't really think I could do that if I were a detective, hmm. Rebus would be quite interesting, I think. Or, hmm. oh, you know what? I've just finished reading Andy Barrett's The Pain of Strangers. And I think, yeah, it might be quite nice to have Eddie Collins as the CSI with one of my detectives because he's such a damn good character absolutely brilliant character truly inspired so I think that would be really good yeah I could do that cold case oh um cold case what case could they do you mean a real cold case oh, I, don't know. I don't know many about many cold cases there's there's so many you know rapes and things that, that you know improvements in technology are, are bringing to light these days I think it would be a murder. In Last Request, the very first Nicky Parekh book, that was a cold case. 
And that was a body that was buried under, you won't know Bradford, but Bradford's got this big old Odeon building that's um, it's being slowly done up and renovated. And hopefully that, if we get the bid for City of Culture, hopefully that will be one of the things they do. Um, but there's a car park next to it. And um, so the case it opens more or less with that character, with one of the, well, with somebody being buried, discovered under there. Um, yeah, and it's it's from like twenty years previously or, or eighteen years previously. So, yeah, yeah. I enjoy the thought of of um, writing about cold cases, but I don't feel confident enough with the technical stuff to do that. Um, and I'd be quite scared of getting it wrong because readers know most so much more than I do, you know, about things like that. So. I'm always a, a little bit wary about, you know, being too precise about things <laughs> in case I trip myself up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. It's only because we read so much. We can't yeah. help it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Most authors are pretty good. I don't pick up any forensic mistakes generally, but then there's so many people around to ask now. There shouldn't be any way, should there? I don't mm. think. No. I was really surprised, though. I was, re I was, um, writing it's a book I've just submitted um to HQ um and I was writing about somebody um I was trying to work out how somebody could break into a car now because you know because of all the technical stuff and I thought oh this is going to be like you know so much harder to do and yet all my research they kept saying it's easier to do it now than it has ever ever been and I was I was absolutely gobsmacked by that because I was if I hadn't researched it I would have just been writing oh and it's very very difficult to do bloody 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 you know and it, it so isn't and I was like gosh you know um although people have come to me you know I did a post on Facebook on it and people have been itemizing cars from the 70s and 80s and saying well this was really easy to get into and this one was and this one was and I'm sure they were but I, I suppose you know for the criminal rather you know Nowadays, it's 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 all techno technology based, isn't it? And having gadgets to do it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just breaking into someone's house and stealing their keys. It's insane, isn't it? How yeah, like just oh, <laughs> nothing's sacred anymore. Nothing's safe. No, no. And it's easy to get. Well, it's, you know, you, there's there's gadgets to say, like help you break into people's houses. Like, why? Why would they have that? Why would you buy that? Why would you need to be buying that if you weren't going to commit a crime? <laughs> Come on now. Yep. <laughs> I would assume this would be the dark web <laughs> and God yeah. knows what's on there. Oh, you know, I haven't been on there. Um, I write about it a lot, but I've never actually been on it. Um, and, so, you know, but some things that are available just on the surface, is it surface web you call it? Sometimes things on there, like this gadget to clone a car key you can buy it on amazon you're like come on that can't be right you know but you can so um yeah the police should be tracing all those sales and keeping an eye on those people yeah you think so yeah if they had enough officers and you know yeah well yeah i think they investigate maybe five percent of cyber crime and that's just the worst because they just can't physically investigate all of it because there's so much it's not possible. 
And that, I mean, as say, that's on the surface web. When you get in the dark web, God knows what's going on down there. Yeah. Down there. <laughs> it's down there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what did I, I was reading the other day about the dark web? I think someone was too scared to go and have a look, but it's just a browser. And unless you know the um, URL of the site that you want to access, then you're not going to accidentally come across yeah. like to buy a gun or something. Yeah. I know some authors have gone on. It's is it Tor you use this? What's it? I don't know what the T stands for. Un- yeah. Onion router or router. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. the, I can't remember the T though. No, but yeah. And yeah, I you can go on for legitimate purposes i mean you think you can buy bitcoin and things on there and that's not an, an illegal thing to do um and so I well, think you can that, use it to go on mns you can use it to do your everyday stuff when they can't track you so i suppose if you wanted to you find when you said mns i actually transcribe is it transcribed you know and i thought you meant s <laughs> and i thought donna Oh, that says like, much more about you than it does about me. <laughs> if that's where you are headed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realised my mistake, but at least I admitted what I initially thought. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely yeah, would I think be you that. You definitely got onto MS and SMA, SNM on yes. those things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that's the more extreme end of SNM as well. <laughs> Yeah, on the more extreme end of MS, for all we know. <laughs> Maybe MS has got a, an underworld site that you know. secret a little bit we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's Maybe why that's they're still the going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> we'll get a call from the director of MS now, like, um, we do not deal in SM actually. Maybe they'll let us model some of their equipment. <laughs> not that I'd know what half of it was about but never mind yeah no absolutely no idea what you're talking about <clears throat> yeah oh you know what I once did oh dear I was at, at university and I was <laughs> I was writing a book I was in the postgrad research office so I'm there and all the computers were there was a line of computers against a wall which is where I was sat and then there was some computers in a line behind me and um, I was there and I Googled, I was writing. So it was for it was for the purpose. And I thought, ball gags. Wonder, wonder what those are. I wonder what those look like. So I'm, I'm so, you know, wonder, you know, get an idea, you know, for descriptive. So I just Googled it and it came up and it's on my screen in the block behind the screen. <laughs> what exactly are you researching right now? <laughs> Oh dear, I think he was shocked. Especially a little old lady like me researching things like that. Yeah. Plug- no, it wasn't, it was butt plugs. That's what it was. Butt plugs. I was really so much worse. <laughs> yeah, it was but it was for it was actually it was academic research because it was for the creative element of my PhD. It was for the book. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your most overused word or phrase when you're editing? Begins with an F and ends with an ing, <laughs> or just. 
I use that an awful lot. Um, and then the thing is, though, when you replace one word or phrase to with another one, then you tend to start overusing that one as well. So, oh dear, it's just, it's a nightmare. But you don't realise, I tend to, I'm one of these, I get it written down and then I try to go back and weed that sort of stuff out because, you know, it just, it interferes with my flow of, I'm sorry, I don't, I think that's my Kindle, I'll just switch it off. Um, yeah, it interferes with my flow of a speech time trying to, you know, like do it as I go along. What do you do? do you, when you write, do you do that as well? Do you just get it down or? Um, yeah. And then what do I... I knew what my word was and I've forgotten now. Really, I think. I, I use really a lot. Yeah. They really, yeah. But it's easy. I mean, it's just it's because probably how you speak. So you just get it down and then it doesn't matter. You just get rid of it later. You get, change it. Yeah. And you are too. <laughs> Overuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just is quite common though. And the F thing is yeah. also common or just, you know, the shorter version. <laughs> yeah. Yes, any about, variation of that. Yeah, we've <laughs> talked about butt plugs and, um, you know, I'm sure I don't we can use say them fuck. A I wouldn't say I overuse <laughs> the words butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have used them in a novel. <laughs> I'm glad you said the words. <laughs> Otherwise. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> Some interesting confessions coming. All your interviews end up with this sort of level of. No, funnily enough, occasional. Oh dear. Can I just say to everybody that happens to watch this, I'm in the process of moving me office, that's why it's a mess, because I'm usually so neat and tidy. Okay, that's been said now. We can move on again. <laughs> um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Oh, gosh, loads of authors. Um, Tony Forder, Andy Barrett, uh, Anita Waller. I love Anita. Um, who else? Malcolm. Uh, oh, Imran Mahmood, uh, Abir Mukherjee, who is my cousin through marriage, I have to say. Love that, uh, he's great fun. He's, he's brilliant. He's Yeah, he's, he's married to my husband's cousin, second cousin probably. So yeah, so we were at oh we were at a Bradford Literature Festival. He was on a panel there, and I was in the audience with my husband. And him, he's on the panel, and he's looking around. And he suddenly goes, "Oh, there's my cousin over there. Hi, Liz." And everybody looks around, and they're like, "You are? <laughs> How could you meet your cousin?" <laughs> yeah. Um, who had dead ones? Oh. Edgar Allan Poe would be a bit of a one, wouldn't he? To spend, he's a bit dark, isn't he? Stephen King. Oh, I'd love to spend time with Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, gosh, there's too many. Who would you spend time with? Stephen King. No question. Yeah. Um, Tony is not getting away with meeting me. I will turn up on his doorstep if he doesn't let me meet him at some point. <laughs> this isn't why he's moving house, is it, Donna? To get away from you? <laughs> 
I hope not. I will stalk him to the ends of yeah. the earth. I will stalk him. Yeah. He knows this. I have told him. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently his level is as long as I don't end up standing over his bed watching him sleep, then anything else goes. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if I asked him or if he just told me, you know, the random conversations you have with people. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Although, I mean, if you're quick enough, he might not catch you. You can maybe nobble his knees or whatever it is Annie Wicks does, you know, <laughs> before he wakes up. <laughs> He'd never catch you. I have threatened this to <laughs> And it's Mark Tilbury. Mark Tilbury calls us his twisted Annies. Oh, he does, cause... doesn't he? I've seen that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, any Christmas cards, birthday cards, etc., all relate to misery somehow <laughs> and threats of hobbling. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, it. yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I actually know where he lives too, so it's not an empty threat. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> I turn up on his doorstep. <laughs> Have we still been recorded here, Donna? You know, shall yeah. I be, you know just tell them about this? By the way, Donna's up in her plans, finessing the last, <laughs> the last. Well, elements to it <laughs> these writers are so slow like how long have we waited for another bliss book it's ridiculous it's know, not good enough i know it's 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 terrible they take yeah. so long to get anything done oh. i know all this faffing around moving honestly it's unacceptable <laughs> it amused me because um before i was um before i had been published I remember saying to, asking an author, one of the big names, I won't say who, but asking this author at Harrogate, actually, oh, when's your next book coming out? I, I, I can't wait to read it. They're like, oh, I only do one a year. Um, and I'm like, oh. And I thought that was, at that time, you know, it was before I was, I thought, oh, that's acceptable. Okay, fair enough. And now, you know, two or three a year, you know, because, you know, partly because I can't stop writing you know I wouldn't do it if I didn't want to but you know it's like things have changed there's a whole change in in you know how people write and how much they write and what they write isn't there nowadays um I mean even my publisher they expect that, that I handed so Blood Games was um published on Tuesday the 26th whenever whatever day that was and on the 24th a couple of days before that I had to hand in the next one which will be out in August and then or no is it September maybe and then in September I have to hand in the next one you know so it's like the, you, you know even some of the the, the the bigger publishing houses are expecting a bit more of a turnover because they know fans wait for it and if you leave it too long it can um, you know, COVID actually did for me because <clears throat> Blood Games came out, which is the fourth in the series. It came out almost a year after um, the third one in the series. And that was because I, was, I wasn't I was very well and I had my PhD and I had a Gus book in between as well. So, um, but now that the PhD is out the way, I can just sort of crack on and, and just write when I want to do what yeah. I want. Yeah. The, this annoys me with Mike Craven, because I say to him, you know, one a year is just not good enough. And he's like, it's not me, it's my publisher. Mm. I'm like, but you've written the next two, why can't we have them? <laughs> it's like, no, you just have to be oh. patient. I think, I'm not patient. I think as well, it's like, they, 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 in terms of, because he's, with, he's one of the bigger names now, Mike's books go for a lot more expensive, even on Kindle. Because I was there's one I wanted to buy in 
yesterday or the day before I saw it advertised it was coming out and I was like, oh yes because I follow that particular series um and it's a woman author now I love her books and I was just like really really keen to and I went on it was something like 11.99 on kindle or something or 14.99 or something ridiculous and I thought gosh I can't afford that you know I'll, I'll have to wait you know so and um, it'll probably come down in price that was the pre-order price it may come down in price I don't know but um yeah so I think maybe the bigger publishers if they're doing it so high they can maybe afford to wait a bit long I don't know I don't know why they do yeah. Yeah. yeah Mike just told me off and told me to be patient <laughs> all right I'm looking forward to that it's, it's the botanist isn't it I don't know when it's due when is it due out June June yeah, because he's because uh, I interviewed him last year and he said I could interview him again. So, but the thing is, because well, he wrote, excited because I saw him. Somebody written something about dead ground, and I saw it, I didn't read it. It was just like they, they mentioned Mike, and I thought, oh great, maybe it's. And I went and it, I'd already read that one. <laughs> so I, was I, like, know. Oh, I know what? it's annoying, isn't it? And some people have got it already. So like really, really yeah. early advanced readers, and like not jealous. Yeah. It's fine, not at all. Yeah. Nope. Definitely. Oh, well. <laughs> well, yeah, there's so many others to read though in the interim. So we'll just oh yeah, my TBR just laughs at me. I'm like, nah, you're never gonna finish me. I'm like, I know. <laughs> well, I'm reading a John Barlow <clears throat> book at the minute, and it's set in Leeds, <clears throat> and it's really good. And then after that, I've got um a Steve Kavanagh novella to read, and then after that. It's um, Russ Thomas's Night Hawking. And I read the first book in the series. So this, this is the second book in the series. I read the first book in the series last year. I did a panel and um, I was leading the panel with him and Steve Mosby and um, Nell Patterson um, for Hull Noir, I think it was. It was, it was for Hull Noir. Um, and I thought, oh, God, I can't wait to get my hands on the second in the series because, you know, and I've let it go, you know, it's there on my Kindle, but, I, you know, so, so I've upped it. Finish this one, read the novella, then that. So I'm set for the next three books. I've got my, my head's in gear. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I've got these, The Devil's Advocate's the only one I haven't read of his so far. Is that the, last, the most recent one? Is that yeah, the, yes, I've, the I've read that one, yeah. Oh, I haven't read it because I've read, I've read all of his books as soon as they come out because they're awesome. And I thought 50-50 was just unbelievable. Um, but just I've just got too many to read. So Again, I'm really it's the sorry. characters, isn't it? The characters just, it's very different, The Devil's Advocate, I have to say. It's very, very, um, it's different from 50-50. Um, in a good way you know the, you know and that uh, it keeps it fresh when it's like that doesn't it so thoroughly enjoyed that book it, 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 it yeah it was a good book yeah yeah looking forward to reading it when I get time I'm just cramming it in yeah. what are you reading at the minute I actually have finished a book and I have nothing but I've got to read a blog tour book for tomorrow I think oh, okay yeah and then I've got four days, I think, with no blog tours. Oh. So I've got four days where I can read what I want. I've cut back on blog tours because I found that I was agreeing to do them because I, I, I used to run the crime, well, I still do run the crime warp, but I've moved it from being, I've moved onto my website because it was it's easier just to deal with the one place I've got a, a section of my website, my author website is the crime warp. But I've cut back on them because I was just finding that, 
I wasn't, I was committing and then a book would come up that I really wanted to read, but because I'd committed to a blog tour, I had to do it. And then sometimes I was rushing it and perhaps maybe not savouring it as much. So I thought, no, I'm going to cut back on doing blog tours. Although Andy Barrett's book that I've just read, it is for his blog tour in February. Um, yeah, I so think I've agreed, I've agreed to um, read that, I think. Pain of Strangers, it's very good. Yeah, very good. I'd yeah, only that, read one other um, Eddie Collins book before that. They're all my blog tours. Oh, I can't actually see it very well. You just don't, don't... Ah, that's better. Gosh, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So, uh, oh. after February, I'm going to try and start agreeing to loads less because it's just, I was, yeah, not enjoying force. I mean, I've read some great books I wouldn't necessarily have picked up, but, yeah. you know, at the same time, not, all, not always. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> I mean, I think there's only been once or twice when I've had to say, when I've agreed to a blog to, and then I've had to contact the organiser and say, look, I'm, I'm really sorry this book isn't for me and I, I I don't if I can't leave at least a three-star review I just won't do it so I've had to, a couple of times over like 10 years or whatever I've had to say look I'm really sorry but I have to withdraw from this because I just can't do it if you want to give me content instead I'll do that but I won't I can't review it you know because I don't I, my reviews have to be honest. Yeah, you know, I have to feel that, that I'm saying what I really think about them. So, um, yeah. yeah. That's what, I mean, I'm the same. I feel like I've got to have integrity as a reviewer. Otherwise, why would anyone bother why caring about? Yeah. 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 I find that as well. It's, it's, it's you, you know, and it's sometimes it can be hard if you want to say, give a slightly lower review for something, if you personally know the person, but if you just sort of think, it's you know sometimes it's just it's not for you it's just you know it's not it's not that the book's a bad book or it's badly written or the characters are crap or anything sometimes it's just it just doesn't gel with you as a person and you know it's um, I woke up on uh, the day that Blood Games was published and the first review was there and it was a two-star review and I was like oh what why would you at half past six in the bloody morning, why would you get up and post a two-star review and crack it on on a book? You know, if I was going to leave a two-star review, I'd, I'd wait a few weeks. Let's, you know, but fortunately, the fives and fours started to come in pretty soon after. But I was on the point of going back to bed and just burying my head under the duvet. But then, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't, if people want to leave one in star, one and two star reviews, that's fine. It's you know, it, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. It's just I thought you didn't have to do it first thing in the morning on publication day. <laughs> we are human after all. We're not bloody robots. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's why I don't. I just if I didn't think it was you know, even three star, then I just wouldn't, because someone still took months possibly years to write that book and gave everything to it yeah. so that's just soul destroying and I couldn't do that to someone so I got no. an email I've got an author email address which I have to admit I don't actually look at it very often because I've got my personal email address that you know people have 
So anyway, I, I, I look at it every you know week or just a couple of weeks, you know, and I'd got this email from a reader, and they'd gone to the trouble to find out my pet, my author email from my website or something that, that you, and they were complaining about my use of the word prone as opposed to supine. And I was like, not one, one, one word out of, you know, 120,000 of them. And one word has caused us such a problem that that reader felt they had to go and seek me out to tell me about it. <laughs> Strange, isn't it? I would never dream of doing that. If, if, somebody, if an author said to me, like, you know, if, somebody, if an author said to me, oh, can you read this um, and give me feedback on it, then I would do it. But I wouldn't just seek somebody, you know, read a book and, and think, oh, you know, sometimes you read a book and one, a word will grey or you'll think, oh, that's confusing or, or oh, that, I didn't get the meaning in that sentence. But the overall book has been fine. So why, why would you do it? Somebody else sent me an email about using gotten. The gotten is can be a, 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 a sort of Scottish thing, as well, a sort of northern thing as well. And I know it causes a lot of hassle and things, but this, this person had emailed me and they said, um, I don't like the Americanism gotten. Please desist. And I'm like, oh, desist. So I try not to use it anymore. But I would use it more just to really. Oh, no, I, know, I know that it does annoy some people, but it is actually a word that I use day to day, you know, so, and I know um, some Northern writers do use some Northern, you know, other, like people maybe from Newcastle or, you know, whatever, <clears throat> and they use, or Carlisle or wherever, and they use, you know, words that they would use, and, and other people who are perhaps not familiar with that dialect, or, you know, they, they think it's wrong, or they, you know, and I just think, well, I wouldn't really quibble about that so much, but then that's just me, I am, um, I'm quite forgiving when I'm reading a book. If I'm enjoying the plot and the characters and the storyline, then I, I, I can be quite forgiving about things like that. Yeah. They don't irritate me. Yeah, no, me either. I've learned some cool new words like mithering. I didn't know what on earth that was until I started reading. Who used, who's, who used that? Can you think? I would, have, I would call it mithering mithering yeah see but I, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it should you know that that doesn't mean that that's how that author would pronounce it because yeah. you know everybody you know that is that a scottish word was that a scottish author well i think it was yorkshire maybe yeah, maybe yorkshire I, my, I use it sometimes not very often but i do use it sometimes but it is something that i would have used when i was in scotland more probably don't yeah, mind. it's not a word I'd ever heard up until my late 30s. And then now I'm like, yeah, that's a cool word. I like that. Yeah. It seems like to say it. what, like what it wanted to say in a cool... Yeah. And yeah. you know about the context of the sentence, you know, or the paragraph, what the author's trying to say. So, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, but people do get irritated by things. So, you know, you have to try and sort of, you know yeah um well I can't think of any more questions for you I think we've pretty much covered you know everything <laughs> and anything been, we've been down to the dark web and we've been up in the giddy heights of body disposal we've covered the lot <laughs> yeah with a little bit of um you know 
sadomasochism in the middle just yeah. to make sure that we kept the level <laughs> i won't be you know this i will not be able to go into marks and spencer's <laughs> or even go online to marks and spencer's without remembering this conversation <laughs> you've spoiled marks and spencer's for me for life and i'm blaming you <laughs> Nothing to I, do I wasn't a fan anyway i never went in there but my nan goes in there all the time and if she's going to talk about it i'm going to start giggling and then she's going to think i'm nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Hmm. Yeah, I might have to anyway. share that with a couple of my friends. I've got a similar sense of humour to me. <laughs> <laughs> Ones that probably won't, you know, won't watch this this interview, but but would be interested to hear what we'd be discussing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you tag your interview? You know, is it like a website? Do you do tags like you know, M and S, S and M, pop plugs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> body disposal. <laughs> People get a few more people watching. Yeah, <laughs> we might end up in the dark web, but no, no. Oh dear! Oh my god! Oh Donna, I have to say you've made my Friday. Yeah, my god! I've had, a, I've had such a lovely time. Me too. I had such a horrendous four hours at work, so this is just oh, my you? day. Oh, <laughs> well, let's hope you can stay awake till your next interview. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I might nap. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. My just before we... wonder why I'm being so giddy now. <laughs> yes. What have you been doing? You've been on the Prosecco? No? <laughs> you the Never you mind. <laughs> Shall we go to m &S? <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so would you just like to tell everyone where they can get your books from and where they can find out more about you oh dear <laughs> well they could go to my website which is not on the dark web <laughs> and it's lizmistreet.com which is quite simple get my books on amazon you can get all of my books on amazon and they're on kindle the, the gus books and some of the nikki books now are on kindle unlimited as well as um I don't know what you call the other thing, just to buy or paperback. Um, you can get my Nikki Perrette books in Waterstones and various places as well. Yeah, so pretty much anywhere. <laughs> pretty much anywhere. I've been there, so thank you very much. Sorry? Thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. You're, having You're welcome. <laughs> Despite the, um, yeah, the... the suspect conversation sometimes somewhere along the line <laughs> okay